right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here running the show. Adam Candy is along with us. Candy, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Where have you been? Where have you been? What, hiding? Like, I mean, all you got to do is <laughs> wake up in the morning. Just, just, just wake up in the morning and listen to ESPN Las Vegas, and you can find me. Yes, you've been on a lot recently. You've been on a lot recently. How's that going? We have fun in the mornings. Uh, you know, I'm, Tyler Bischoff needs someone to occasionally put his snark in check, and Ed's way too nice of a human being to do it, so every now and then they have to bring me along. Nice. Well, I'm glad it's working out well. Damon, what's going on, buddy? Damon was uh, treated like a king the last couple of days. Family in town. Threw up about, uh, what would you pay, about 10 bucks for boxing tickets, 30 bucks for like a $300 dinner. What's going on, buddy? I'm good. They have since left, and I probably spent thirty dollars the entire weekend. Oh, only thirty the whole weekend. Yeah, <laughs> but they—it was very much so. They didn't let me forget about it. They were on my case the entire time. I was called a bad host. They got on you about not paying the bill or not being available on Friday. Candy, if you uh, if you miss one one on Friday, Demond sends over a note. He's like, "Man, hosting when people are in town is just the worst." And then he followed up by saying, well, they took me to an expensive restaurant on the Strip so far. They bought me boxing tickets. I'm like, that doesn't sound that bad. No, I'm, I'm definitely the problem. I am definitely the relative where you're watching a movie where it's like, that shady guy. Here's, I'll put it, oh, this is encapsulates it perfectly, where I take my cousin to take back his rental car. He only needed it for a day. You know, hey, you can just drive my car around. You don't need it to have a rental car. But as we pull up, I pull up into a gas station. And he's and he parks off to the side. I'm like, hey, don't you want to fill up the rental car before you take it back? He's like, oh yeah, good looking out, thank you. But then I come over to him. I'm like, well, since you're already putting gas in the rental car, can you put some gas in mine too? Stop. I had no intention of putting gas in my own car. Oh, you're just busting chops because they were busting yours all weekend. Yeah. All right. Candy, you like hosting people when they come to town? Do you pull a demand and don't pay for anything? No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. I, I am, I am a good human being. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have morals. I have standards. I, I have love for my family and love for my friends. And you got to at least put up a fake fight for a check at the very least. Yeah, we, uh, we talked about another member of the company being treated out to dinner, and it was pretty much like ninety nine percent that he was going to be treated. But he did the gesture of taking out the credit card and just tapped it on the table a bunch of times. Like, you know, why even bother? Is that the gesture you're talking about, or you actually have to put the card into the billfold? Oh, no, no. You, you have to, at the very least, make the card visible and hold it out across the table. You, you know, it's like how you, know, like you talk about someone on the offensive side. You got to make the defender make the move. You got to make your loved one make the move. You put that card out there, and you're like, yeah, I, I, I got you. Uh, let's, let's split this one right down the middle, right? And then, and then they have to at least give you a little bit of a fight back. Like, no, 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 no. You're hosting. No, you're putting us up. You're, you're giving us a, a room with sheets you might or might not have washed and towels ah. that definitely have been stale in a closet for six months. <laughs> I, I, the least I owe you is uh, some chicken fajitas. There you go. I mean, I never even met, I never even went for my pocket. At one point, after at one dinner, it was, hey, do you have anything to put in on this? And I said, not a lick. Wow, you're very upfront about it. It's not even a game. <laughs> did you drive them around? Is, is that at least something you did for them? Yes. Okay, well, that I mean, that, that does count, Candy. Not say it doesn't count, but like, all right, for, let, let's dig in here. Demont, did, did they stay at your place? Yes. Okay. And my did Nevada ID. Sh- let, wait, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. But we have to, we have to get some clarification. Your place? 
Yeah, my parents' place that I lived with them, <laughs> but there were two spare rooms, so I mean, Ooh. yeah, yeah, candy. I mean, Ooh. you got you got to mention Wait that. Wait a minute, who hosted? I hosted. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, buddy. Like that. That's parents that's were like, out of town this were, weekend. No, nah, that's like if you were like a VIP host at Caesar's Palace, it would be like, no, no, you facilitated, but Caesar hosted. I facilitated a you know a two room. I mean, you can't get two rooms for free. Come on. I mean, Do they, you? You get at least one room for free. Uh, buddy, it's costing me. <laughs> Mental anguish or actual money? <laughs> Both. Okay, there you go. All right. We got it straightened out. So we'll get into this a little later because uh, we want to talk about the fight. We're going to bring in uh, Big Mac from SiriusXM on the Combat Channel. Talk about both the boxing match this weekend, which Crawford stormed to a victory against Spence. And uh, the local paper... <laughs> Called him one of the greatest of all time. I don't know, man. I pumped the brakes on stuff like that. Um, and UFC 291, which was up the road in Salt Lake. But we got a lot of baseball to get to. The trade deadline is approaching, so we'll get you any updates if anything happens today. It was pretty active over the last three days or so. Uh, John Von Tobel is going to check in, too, about his uh, angels and how aggressive they've been. we got to start out with football. Uh, camps are underway, Candy. And, you know, in the NFL ownership ranks – you knew when they got rid of Dan Snyder after a long last, there's a bunch more guys who, if the other owners had their choice, I'm sure they would love to have something on particular owners to get them the hell out. And I've always thought Jim Irsay is one of those guys, right? Standing on third base thinking he hit a triple, and you know it's dad's team. It's dad's team, and uh, he lived quite the rough life for a long time, embarrassed himself, embarrassed the league. He's an outspoken guy. I don't think he has much of a filter left. I'm not sure that all the brain cells are still there. Um, I don't think he needed to, and I'm going to say punch down at his running back, at his best player, Johnny Taylor. But he did it. He did it. Demond, we'll get to the bite here in a second. What do you make of what's going on right now, Candy, with this timeline with Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor on the heels of you know, Barkley and Pollard and our own guy, Josh Jacobs, and guys like Eckler, the diminishing value of the running back. And then an owner comes straight out and says, pretty much, you know what? Take it or leave it. He's not even up for an extension yet, really. He's not even in the crosshairs of this franchise tag thing yet. What does that do to a team? You know, McKinnell can tell me if I've got the dateline on this wrong. I think it was WrestleMania 4 <laughs> where Warrior and Hogan had a match and Warrior won. And as soon as it was over, they're like, it's clear that Hulk Hogan is immortal. And I'm like, wait, what, 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 do, you mean? what do you mean he's immortal? He just lost. Like, Jim Ursay is Hogan after that match where it's like, yeah, like, dude's been put to the mat. And apparently thinks that he's going to live forever, like because Jim Irsay takes all of the L's for everyone. Like he was willing to go out there on Snyder. Now he's willing to go out there and take the hardline ownership position that I'm sure most of the other owners yeah. feel exactly the same way that Jim Irsay does. That's a good point. My setup was terrible. They probably admire what he's doing because they don't have to fall on the sword. He's doing it for him. No problem, right? We don't have to say it. Jim's willing to go out there and and. As much as any NFL owner can be self-deprecating in doing it, like he puts it on himself as much, much as he puts it on Jonathan Taylor when he says what he said about neither one of them 
being memorable for any length of time, but you know, the insult is still clear. Give me your say. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who, who comes and who goes. The national football rolls on. Um, it does matter. <laughs> you know, it matters to Jonathan Taylor, his family, his future. It matters, bro. And it, it probably matters to Colts fans. I Listen. As fans of football teams, we can all kind of deal with the changing landscape of the running back and the long-term contracts. But, Candy, it doesn't mean that those of us watching football think that the running back for a given season and the morale of a team for a given season are both worthless. How are you setting yourself up for a decent year when you're crapping all over your best player and you know guys are going to rally around him? Now we've got a an owner against player situation, and it doesn't mean necessarily that the rally includes winning games. That's the kind of impossible part that Jim Irsay pulled off, which is that there's a reasonable point to be made about deal with it because this is what running backs are now in the league, but he takes it to such a level about Jonathan Taylor essentially being wiped off the map that it's hard to get behind because everyone in that locker room already has plenty of reason to hate every owner, not just Jim Ursay, but now you've got all the reason in the world to stand behind your teammate, and frankly, out in the public, you have all the reason to stand behind Jonathan Taylor when the fact of the matter is, let me ask you a question in return, Cofield. This is just a general idea of football in 2023. Do you like watching running plays? <laughs> Do I like watching running plays? Yes, I still think there is a need for a run game in the NFL. Look, I think there is a need for vaccination against disease. I don't like getting the needle stuck in my arm. I don't like watching running plays on the average as opposed to pass plays because the traditional running attack at this point is pretty boring. And so that to me is, I uh, yeah, you, you can get all the offensive line nerds out front and talking about how beautiful it is and how the offensive line works together. That's great. Football guys are supposed to appreciate it. But when we talk about the entertainment product of the NFL, there is no one walking into the stadium saying, I really hope I get to watch Saquon Barkley pounded into the line 25 times today. And that to me is the counter to all of the idea of why are we not valuing running backs the same way? Well, there's one idea of valuing running backs in terms of what they mean to the team and then there's the other part which is the entertainment product and no one is paying to watch running in 2023 all right damon you want to jump in on this before i do no one is paying to watch the running game i think you're wrong about no one wants to see saquon let's say pounded 25 times yeah maybe if you're just saying he's only going to average three yards but there is nothing more exciting than a running back breaking off let's say a, a 70 plus yard run and even if that happens every so few and far between Give me a Derrick Henry, because it seems like he has one every season. Give me a Derrick Henry 90-yard run as opposed to any pass play you can give me there when it comes to pure entertainment. Candy? Then everybody here should be a huge baseball fan because <laughs> that means you don't mind watching 20 strikeouts for every home run. We should all be filling up that A stadium on the strip because all we want to see 
is a guy who hits 200 and hits 30 home runs because that's what the long run for a guy like Saquon, a guy like Josh Jacobs is. It's that diamond that you find after you've run into the line. God only knows how many times, whereas every single time the quarterback drops back, everybody holds their breath just a little bit. This could be the play. even a five yard dump off. You look at and think to yourself, well, if he breaks it a little bit, whereas a play that you see them turn around and hand it off to the fullback, you see your average run to the B gap. You're like, all right, well, I guess they have to. They got to soften up the defense. You want to talk about football value? Talk about football value all you want. Talk about what it means in terms of your team winning week in and week out. All I'm talking about is. When it comes to cutting up the highlights and keeping people's attention span when nobody can watch anything for more than five minutes anymore, the red zone way of playing football is passing. I don't agree with Candy, but I will express this a little later in the show. You can react on our text line, Finley Kia text line, 691-8769-187. DeMond's in charge of monitoring the text line. Code word is ESPN, 691-8769-187. So we got the Jonathan Taylor situation all set up here. And again, this was started by Ursay, and now the latest step is he doesn't care if Jonathan Taylor ever plays for the Colts again because we're all going to be gone at some point and fans won't remember it. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Now, at a Raiders camp, Vinny, our buddy over on Raider Nation Radio 920, being thorough, some of the stuff might be obvious. Candy, I think you're making the claim that the reports from early practice that Vinny threw out there, that precision on short stuff, pretty good, could get a little better. The deep stuff so far from Jimmy G, not so hot, which sets up a bunch of interesting scenarios. I think interesting, but uh, you thought it was too obvious? It's not even so much that, look, I have plenty of experience covering a training camp. I understand the grind that goes into trying to make a story daily when you're doing the same things for a month at a time. But if I'm a fan and I'm looking at a headline that talks about Jimmy Garoppolo does well throwing short and intermediate, I'm kind of saying to myself, cool, I know he can do that. Now I need to see if he can throw the deep ball because I got a lot of stats here that over the last couple of seasons in particular, he hasn't been very good throwing the ball deep. According to Pro Football Focus, if you go to their advanced stats on deep balls, adjusted completion percentage, uh, last year uh, he was 25th in football. You know, it was 24th, Derek Carr. Uh, that's the guy that, if you don't remember, used to be here. So then you go look for Jimmy Garoppolo the year before, and his deep ball just a completion percentage was 31st in the league. That was a year in which Derek Carr was 25th. And I think the whole point to me is if we're going to talk about upgrading at the quarterback position, what is it that we're trying to upgrade? You want to make the offense more explosive, yeah. period. And so maybe Jimmy Garoppolo will turn out to do just fine on deep balls in the long run. But to me, it's like, hey, you know, get me the headline when Jimmy Garoppolo connects on five 50-yard bombs uh, at camp. 364-1100, uh, Just kicking off another week here. 364-1100 is the number. Let's do a giveaway. USA men's national basketball team in town training. They're going to be taking on Puerto Rico in an exhibition. That's on Monday, next Monday, August 7th, 7 o'clock start. 
Tickets are available at AXS.com. It's at the Fortress at T-Mobile Arena. Demond's got a pair of tickets right now. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. USA men's national team basketball team against Puerto Rico. AXS.com. Tickets right now. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred. Strikes. So you can hear the chant in the background of sell the team. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy. Oh boy. Dare I say it, lots of A's talk today. Sell the team. It's not happening. They're coming here. Stop trying to take our team away. A's, so we get more information on the stadium. Uh, more information on what could actually block the move here. It won't be anyone in Oakland blocking it. By the way, we just had a funny moment during the break. Um, if you watch shows on a video that we put out every once in a while, there, it's a little sloppy in the background, Candy. So there's uh, some papers that are up there. And finally, I turn around. I'm like, what, what, are these, what are these papers? I know they're a phone list. I start looking at the phone list. And uh, Damon's like, it says that was last updated when I was eight. Oh, no. <laughs> we we renovated the entire studio. One of the things that survived the renovation. By, by the way, my audio feed, that... That didn't survive it, right? The uh, the uh, video audio feed that didn't survive it, but yes, this this list. Sorry, I kid because I care. I love Lotus Broadcasting, but I when I, I turn around and look at them, like no one on this list is still working here, and several have perished. Damon was eight, so I asked Damon, I'm like, can I throw this out? Damon gave me permission, so if we get in trouble, Damon, it's your fault. So you're trying to tell me that like someone could grab a screenshot of this, zoom in and be talking to Seat Williams like in five minutes? Seat's not on here. Seat usually Ooh, didn't. smart man. Seat usually didn't have a working phone or kind of rotated. We love Seat, but uh, his phone number would not have been on here. No. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We're updating as you speak, or I speak, or Demond speaks. Someone take responsibility for this whole freaking thing. Um, this is interesting. This is the the one last hope, Candy, for people who don't want the A's here, or at least don't want. Well, they don't want the A's here. It's not. It's not the the stadium deal is not great. Um, it's the A's. It's the A's and who they've been the last you know three four years. Uh, people don't want the A's here. They want Major League Baseball here, but they don't want the A's here. There's a lack of trust. And the only thing that is really holding it up is owners' approval. And DeMond sent over a story today, very good, um, and slugged it. Do the other owners in Major League Baseball have a right to be mad at the A's? And I I mean, reading through it, and we'd already talked about this scenario, yes, of course. When they look at Rob Manfred, they have to question, Rob, what are you doing? One, from a market size standpoint, I love Vegas, but we are a smaller market. Should we get a team? Yes. The Rays are an expansion team. Absolutely. I will back that. But you're leaving a massive market. And the other thing is, as an owner around Major League Baseball, why am I not getting my money? And that goes from the top with the Dodgers. Where is the relocation fee in my cut? And it goes down to the bottom with Kansas City. Where is my relocation fee? Yes, the other owners have a right to be mad. Why are special favors being done for John Fisher? Why are special favors being done for MLB owners, period, uh, when it comes to financing stadiums? Because what we're ultimately discussing here is not only are we going to socialize the cost of this stadium by having 
Nevada give more than $350 million to build this thing. But now we're talking about some money going from John Fisher to the other owners as a relocation fee and them wanting to be paid out, which I get in the vein of this. The deal always should have been done in Oakland, right? And if it were done in Oakland, there might not be a need for a relocation fee. And so you're allowing John Fisher to do something if the relocation committee says, yeah, we're going to allow you to move when you've got an owner who has been on the wrong side of revenue sharing for a very long time. This is not a payroll that has been anywhere near the point where it would be contributing to revenue sharing. But Steve, there's a quote at the bottom here, and it really speaks to me. Um, Quote, the relocation fee, the ultimate decision will be made in the process that I described a moment ago. I've been clear with the owners. In the context where you have an owner who's making a billion-dollar private commitment, moving to a market where they receive public funding for baseball to step in and have a relocation fee, I don't see that as a realistic possibility. <laughs> and, baby, I've learned. I don't question Bobby. Here we go. When he tells me how it's going to be, Here we go. I listen to Bobby. Bobby yeah. Baseball tells me how it's going to be, and I just let him do it however he wants and that's what the owners are going to learn too when bobby baseball says this is how it's going to happen that's how it's going to happen meanwhile candy sounds all calm and collected Mm. he's looking over his shoulder at that that big box and the uh, the 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 top is opening and there's the gimp just ready to come out (laughs) there he is bobby's gimp just like in pulp fiction yeah No, no no don't come out gimp please oh yeah Oh, yeah. Oh, it's coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out, and you're not getting any money for it. It's coming out of Oakland. It's going to Las Vegas, and you get bupkis, and you like it. Because Come on. Bobby Baseball always knows what's right. Sorry. I mean, that statement alone, your question about should the other owners be mad? Yeah. What is he talking about? What is, again, what Candy just read. I've been clear with the owners in the context where you have an owner who's making a billion-dollar private commitment, moving to a market where they receive public funding for baseball to step in and, and have a relocation fee. I don't see that as a realistic possibility. The, the reality here is John Fisher doesn't have the money to pay a relocation fee, and he's also not making a billion-dollar investment. Can we stop with this, please? We've already been floated. The idea is of a scaled-down stadium. It might be bigger, but... The tech on the stadium is not going to be what we were promised. The stadium is going to be cheaper. He's not making a billion-dollar private investment. And the fact that they keep saying that, you can say it to us in the media, and you can say it to, and I don't think all the public servants who voted this through are dopes, but you can say it to some of those dopes, and they're not going to question it. But you're dealing with other billionaires, Candy, They know, ultimately, they know what's going to go into this from a private investment. And I'm sure a lot of them are like, Rob, what are you doing? Like, if you want to, you know, bullcrap the fans, bullcrap Las Vegas, the state of Nevada, and Clark County, bullcrap the fans and citizens of Oakland, okay, we're the money people, we're all so rich, we know what's happening. Stop painting this as this guy's making the ultimate sacrifice. Am I overreacting on this? I mean, that's just, it's insulting. It's insulting to sell it to us, the fans and the media. The other billionaires? 
Come on. Ridiculous. This the could this could be a fee of $300 million quite easily, right? Talk about more if you want. It could be closer to a billion. It could be anything you want it to be if you're Rob Manfred because there's no there's no set number on what it would be. And so most of these teams have not been teams that have used the relocation fee as part of their funding in the past. Why? Because nobody in baseball has moved since the Nationals. <laughs> Like, this has not been a real thing. This has not been an opportunity. Yeah, revenue has been distributed in baseball for a long time because of the fact that there is no salary cap and it's a revenue sharing setup. And now you have a luxury tax where all the money eventually goes back to owners like John Fisher. That's the whole point. They know who's been taking the handout all this time. They know who's not fielding a competitive product. But yet at some point, all of the billionaires are going to close ranks in some way, shape, or form to say, well, when it comes turn for us to get a new stadium, we want to make sure that Major League Baseball is on our side. We want to make sure that Rob Manford is helping us. But who's going to end up in a situation like the A's? Who has been shortchanging their fans for as long as the A's have? Nobody. Coming up. We got a Dodgers and A series starting tomorrow. You can see the. Uh, we'll go through some numbers. You can see the, the the difference between those two organizations. I thought it was actually a, the beginning of what is going to be a productive trade deadline for the Dodgers, and they added some key pieces over the weekend. Want to be fun someday, Candy? We were just talking about the A's and you know the stadium wranglings and the move and the other owners, what they're going to do about this relocation fee if they're going to block the A's move. Want to be funny on a trade deadline if we're like, yeah, Las Vegas A's are adding. Look at all these. Pieces major and minor and roster filling that they're making to get better. Let's hope that happens because right now, obviously, it's not happening with the A's or on the other end of uh, dealing guys off who are good players and trying to build, 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 build all the time. Um, checking in on the trade deadline, there's some pretty big ones here. Um, Cleveland makes a deal for pitching. They send away a pitcher to the Rays. What do you think the Rays are right now in terms of they're adding pitching? How about that? The A's that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that we would check that. The Rays that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that I would love to have, Candy. Beautiful trade for the Rays. It's typical of what they do. Aaron Savali is their kind of guy. Young, cost-controlled, coming off a bad year last year, but has everything together this year and has huge stuff. These are the guys that the Rays get. Nobody knows them. They somehow get two Cy Young level seasons out of them before they blow their elbow out. And the Rays are in position to go and win the American League this year. So it's a beautiful trade for them. Now They had to give up their fourth prospect to do it. And that's the difference from the A's. The A's don't even have anybody to give away right now. They can't, they're not selling. Who'd they sell? They sold a reliever from Japan with an 8 ERA to Baltimore. Oh, oh no. What if he never made it to Vegas? We'll see what happens with uh, Kyle Manzardo. Uh, other deals, Candy, that were made. Nothing massive, but this is what you do if you're not going to make massive deals. The tweak deals are pretty damn good. Uh, the Mets teardown continue. Not, it's not a teardown. We'll, we'll get to a lot more of that. Uh, Mark Hanha, uh, or Kenna moves along um, in a deal to the Brew Crew. Uh, I thought this one was pretty interesting as the uh, D-backs acquire a local in Paul Seawald. 
Bishop Gorman's own, uh, Mariners closer. And uh, Paul Seawald is a guy, again, another one of these under-the-radar guys who's been really good. Interesting to see the Mariners uh, mm. owning up to the fact that they need to sell off. The Mets owning up to the fact that they need to do some selling off. Uh, I, I'll... I'll just be sitting here as a Yankees fan watching a team three and a half out of the wild card after losing two or three to Baltimore uh, with its hands firmly planted under its cheeks doing absolutely nothing and enjoy there's the still major time. baseball trade deadline. There's immensely. still time. There's still time. Yeah. There's oh, still yeah, time. There's time. And by the way, uh, I love what the Cubs are doing, pulling Bellinger off the, uh, the trade block and trying to add a little here, a little there. They're near the dance floor. Make a run for your fans. Don't devastate your farm system doing so. But they just added, what, Candelario a little while ago? Jammer Candelario from, from Washington. The point of the matter is, if you're the Cubs, if you play in either Central Division, the AL Central or the NL Central, you can finish with a record that's going to be worse than the last place team in the AL East and still win the division. So you've got to go for it if you're in the Central and you're anywhere close. You're going to get a bid for doing absolutely nothing. So if you can do a little bit less of nothing than the rest of the teams in your division without giving up all your prospects, then yeah, you might as well go for it. And we know the Dodgers are going to keep adding. They add Lance Lynn, who is, uh, he hasn't had a great year. He's got a lot of strikeouts. So there's there's some signs there that something was working, but his six and a half ERA. Yeah, I mean he's he's got a he's got a six and a half ERA and he's got a sixty five waistline. Like it's <laughs> it's going to work a, out well for Lance Lynn, the Dodgers. I'm he's sure. A big guy. Uh, they they're they're doing what they have to do. Yeah. They, it, Joe Kelly comes back, which memes alone. I'm happy to have Joe Kelly back uh, in Los Angeles. That's that's fantastic. Kike uh, Hernandez and his sixty two uh, OPS plus uh, back and dancing in the dugout. Nothing's going to matter for the Dodgers unless the starting pitching sorts itself out. You need a healthy Urias, you need a healthy Kershaw, you need the kids to do something, and you need Lance Lynn to no longer be toting around a six and a half ERA, but I don't know. This might be the year that the Dodgers actually find out that uh, the, the voodoo doesn't go on forever. Well, I kind of expected this start because they, they gave a run with a bunch of their young guys, and you know if it wasn't going to work out, then you turn to being the Dodgers and add to your payroll and add players, so... Um, it's been okay to this point. They're 59 and 45. They're lining up for a series, so they should get super healthy the next three games with Oakland in town. Did you see the graphic I sent you that was from, uh, what was it, Sportsnet LA? Um, the A's were able to lock up their, what, 30th win. I don't know if we should be celebrating that. Uh, 30th yeah. win of the season. Is Kansas City at 30 yet? Where's Kansas City? Oh, Ooh, 32. Oh, they have 32 wins. Oh, They're two games oh. ahead of them. Woo, Royals. 32 wins, 107 games into the season. Same for 107 games, 30 wins for the A's. But uh, um, am I being ridiculous here? Well, one, run differential on a season. Uh, mm, not good. Minus 255. And the Dodgers actually not good for them, plus 88. But uh, can I go a little glass sort of half full? That the A's have, the A's post All Star have hit two thirty four with a four three ERA. It's not bad. Not Considering bad. their starters had a seven ERA exactly. before the break, and they yeah, were hitting, they were hitting around the Mendoza line for the longest time. It's not bad. Here's here's what I would take improvement. If the if the A's can get their run differential, even with a minus in front of it, if they can get their run differential down. To under the hottest temperature that we have in Vegas <laughs> this year. That's gonna. That's actually gonna be really good. 
that would be a huge step in the right direction. Like if we can get them to like 160, like minus 116 on the year, I would think that's success. So they're going to be plus 140 the rest of the way in about 50 games. <laughs> They'll be playing the best, <laughs> best baseball in the game. Coming up, we got to get to the fight weekend. Really good boxing match in town. What does it mean for Bud Crawford? And uh, excellent, excellent fights, especially the main event, which was devastating at USC 291. Ryan McKinnell on the way. Amount of success, and it's not just the jab, the uppercut, and the counter, right hook, the left, the right, Errol Spence on inline skates, and the referee has intervened, Mamma Mia, Terrence, Bud, Crawford have made history. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, time to recap a crazy fight weekend here in town and just in the north of UFC in Salt Lake. Candy Cofield, Damon, Ryan McKinnell is in from Sirius XM, channel 156. That's our combat channel. Big Mac, how you doing, buddy? Fellas, I'm good. How's everybody uh, doing out in the studio on this fine Monday? We're good. Uh, the Crawford fight, rousing victory, beat a really good fighter in Spence. Talk about the victory and then also... Some of the reaction, and again, I don't want to pour cold water on this, but I was reading. Hey, Steve, I'm having a little trouble hearing paper. you. Could you maybe, uh, could you maybe have Demon turn me up? Demon, uh, can you uh-oh. turn me up, buddy? Oh, we getting him, or is he getting us? I any- need more bass in my headphones. We got any more bass in my headphones? Any more, Big Mac? <laughs> is it better? <laughs> I feel like a guy, uh, I feel like a rapper in the booth. Turn my I headphones. I got no up. bass turn in my headphones. headphones. No, guys, I can. You're a faint. You're a faint whisper. In, in the far off distance, no one, unfortunately, no it's a little bit of a technical of difficulty. That, I, I can't hear you guys, um, but maybe nope. we can get it figured out here in a yeah, second. We're going to have McKinnell jump on the phone here in just a second. Candy, I know you're not a gigantic fight fan, but um, I did think it was interesting after Crawford wins and he really battered uh, Errol Spence. Then we get the claims, and it wasn't just the local paper with Sam Gordon. We get the claims by lots of people saying that uh, – Crawford is the best fighter in the world and one of the best fighters in the history of professional boxing. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, maybe maybe I'm thrown off by this because Crawford hasn't been exposed to the masses as much as he should have been before age 35, but um, I don't know. Seems a little aggressive. That said, the positive is there's a lot of big fights coming up, so um, if he does want to go down as the best of this era, right, and we're not crossing over with Floyd Mayweather, uh, hopefully they can make a bunch of big fights. And he can prove himself as the best fighter in the world. But, you know, I was told before the fight by a lot of experts that this, if uh, one of them did kick the crap out of the other, the world is their oyster. They can set up a lot of big fights. Uh, Cofield, I'm going to ask you this question as someone who knows this better than I do. When we start comparing eras at this point when it comes to boxing, which obviously is not at the level of popularity that it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, how many fighters who would make a real impact in the boxing game are going into MMA in the first place, and how much different is the playing field when we start trying to compare eras? Hmm. That's a good question on how many MMA is stealing away. I'm not sure because I still think that MMA is heavily feeding from grappling, wrestling, and jujitsu, but they are feeding now more from the kickboxing world. So I don't know if it's stealing from boxing. Uh, I also think there's demographics at play here where fighters are being fed from, which communities, which countries. So that's kind of interesting. No, I don't. I don't think the talent is there. Less talent now in boxing because MMA has siphoned some off. Uh, I mean, that would be a short maybe. We're gonna hook up with McKinnell in about fifteen minutes. 
So we'll get back to the uh, recap of Crawford winning over Spence here in town and also UFC uh, 291 in uh, Salt Lake. That was a freaking awesome fight card, a lot of crazy finishes. Um, All right, I want to get back into football here for a second, Candy. I know you have strong feelings on what started last week, and that is Sean Payton going after Nate Hackett, and I was going to say indirectly going after the Jets, but he actually did go after the Jets too. So give me your take on this one because now Aaron Rodgers responded. So Aaron Rodgers was asked about the Nathaniel Hackett comments that Sean Payton made. And if you didn't hear it, Sean Payton called last year's Broncos one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL before he walked it back a little bit and tried to blame it on coming from the TV world and still being in that mode. I don't know how much I buy that. Uh, Sean Payton was a coach a hell of a lot longer than he was in TV. I think he knew what he was doing and trying to build up Russell Wilson and talking about the coaching job and and trying to protect Russell Wilson from a lot of what happened in Denver last year. And so you've got a situation here where to every normal person, Sean Payton is the enemy until Aaron Rodgers shows up and he just has a way of making himself the heel even in situations where he's not involved bro this isn't about you and yet he was asked about it at jets camp and he decided to take on sean payton in the same way that it felt like sean payton was caping for russell wilson he was going to defend nathaniel hackett saying that he should keep his coach's name out of his mouth and then robert Sala, the head coach of the jets comes back with well if you don't have any haters you ain't popping bro if you want to bring in nathaniel hackett as a coordinator which is where he had success with aaron Rodgers when they were in green bay go for it but don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining after watching the broncos last year about what happened with nathaniel hackett like it was as bad as could possibly be and sean payton was just saying the quiet part out loud for all of us but if you're aaron Rodgers, this isn't your fight this isn't your problem. Let Hackett speak for himself. He's a grown man. If he wants to speak for the coaching job, let him speak for the coaching job. This isn't about you, except in Aaron Rodgers' world, Steve, as you well know. Everything is ultimately about him in the long run. Wait, if Sean Payton says that the Jets were infatuated with the, quote, pomp and circumstance of the uh, blockbuster offseason and hinted that the Jets were, quote, a dream team that is doomed to failure. Aaron Rodgers can't speak to that? He can speak to that, but that's not what he was speaking to. That no. was sort of the uh, the second level of this whole thing. He was, def- he was defending his guy. Out. He's defending his yeah, guy. And he's, yeah. also, and he's also, you're quickly going to find out here, this is a very robust Steve Cofield when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. This man walks... On water, it might be very dirty water, polluted water, but he walks on that swampy water, uh-huh. and I'm all ready for the guy to be a boisterous leader of the Jets. And if Sean Payton, as he said last or yeah, late last week, oh, I had my Fox hat on. Well, then guess what? If you're allowed to talk trash, other people are going to come back at you. And here's the other thing. Stand by it, Sean. Don't back down. Oh, I had my Fox hat on. Too late. Too late. Can I have, let me have some, uh, we have Brandon Tierney. We got him? Oh, no. It was all set up perfectly. Okay. All right, respond. All right. No, no, no. I got, some, no. I got something to say before you find, before you find the tyranny cut. Because, uh, first of all, 
I want to know if you, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, uh, would you say that you're more immunized against criticism of him <laughs> or more vaccinated against it? Let it go. It's a different issue. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a different it's a issue. It's not the same person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a, sure. It's the same person. Sure. 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 He, he may have been a little misleading there, but his love, there's nothing confusing, as he was trying to confuse people on <laughs> Not good. Uh, there's nothing confusing about his love of Hackett, of Nate Hackett. He's talked about Hackett. how he's one of his favorite guys in the NFL, maybe his favorite coach that he's ever had. So, by the way, validating to every rumor we ever heard as to why the Broncos wanted Hackett in the first place because they thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers when they got Hackett, and it turned out they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. They got Russell Wilson, and you saw what happened to the Broncos last year. So I think Sean Payton is doing exactly what Sean Payton should do. Russell Wilson is a guy who needs someone else to do the talking because when Russell Wilson starts doing the talking, we get all the let's ride corny crap. So Sean Payton's just being savvy and going out there and trying to take some of those delayed bullets for Russell. Well, Payton wanted to talk some trash. He got the New Jersey, New York media. He got the fans of the Jets. He got Robert Sala. Then he got Aaron Rodgers. Tough Luxky. I love Sean Payton. He's I, we, we've hung out with him. He's a, now he's dead to me. He's dead to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. That's all that needs to be said. He's dead to all of us. I have not hung out with Sean Payton, but he's dead to me. That man never existed. He's dead to me. I don't know his family. I don't know his friends. There is no Sean Payton. I never heard of a Sean Payton. I don't know of a Gary Payton. I don't know of I don't know of a Sean anybody. There is no Sean. There is no Payton. There is no Walter Payton. There is no Sean in my world. They're all dead to me. God, I love New York sports radio. I miss it. I do. I do. I, I mean, unsurprisingly to you and probably to anybody else out there, when I was a small child, I was falling asleep at night to WFAN. That's what made me the way that I am today. Like, you know, I just miss all of that. One interview, he manages to completely marginalize the Jets roster and like their their vision and their direction and how they like their whole franchise. And in the next sentence, he destroys the offensive coordinator who helped win one of the most athletic, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, multiple MVPs. October 8th, Jets 37, Broncos 13. Yeah! It's what it's all about, my friend. It's what it's all about. And Aaron oh. Rodgers is leaning into all of this. Oh, oh. Oh, I know you know Tierney, and if you want to go ahead and get me Broncos plus 24, I will put the house on Broncos plus 24. You just let me know where to sign up at Bet Tierney. He, he gambles, so he's, he's not, I don't think he's going to lay 24 on that mm. one, but you get the point. The fire is there I do. on the intense Jets-Broncos, not really a rattle. But. <laughs> and I want Raider, Raider Nation come in behind me with the Jets. Let's go. Come on. Sean Payton is already become very unlikable, and not just for the shots at the Jets. There was no need. He could have done all the Hackett was a disaster. It's now time for accountability. He could have done that all behind closed doors. So just give him a couple weeks. The Fox hat will go back on. I'm sure he'll be taking shots at Josh McDaniels. So it's a whole new world, Sean. No, no Drew Brees around. A little pressure now. You're not in a place where they're happy just to be competitive. There are high standards in Denver based on the past. It's going to be a little pressure now. 
It's not nice and cushy New Orleans. Chill, bruh. Chill. Cushy New Orleans. <laughs> it is cushy. <laughs> cushy. What happens if you lose just, in New Orleans? Just you make, some you make, cushy flooding in the cushy, uh, cushy Super Bowl with you, Drew Brees. Yeah. Cushy New Orleans. Nobody yeah, cares yeah, about one, the New Orleans Saints. One Super Bowl. Nobody cares. The Saints and Falcons don't have a rivalry like the Jets and the Broncos. It's not what a real rivalry looks like. Maybe he's just trying to drum up interest for, for a week five Jets-Broncos game that no one would have cared about otherwise. Steve, hmm. you would have cared, but nobody else would have cared. Lots of people you will blame care. Sean for that. Lots That's of people put this care. TV guy hat on. Lots of people will care. And you're right. I don't want to sound like obnoxious uh, Jets, New Jersey, New York guy and say that. Hey. The, say that the Falcons and Saints doesn't matter. It does. It does. But it is a... There is no Sean. But it is. The Saints are in the shadow I mean, frankly, the Saints are not the biggest thing in the state of Louisiana. LSU is. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different there. And they were so bad beforehand, anything that Peyton and Breeze gave them was freaking gravy. So it's the way it works. Yeah. My oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just the same way that there's nothing bigger in the New York, New Jersey area than the New York Jets. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Jets. Look at you trying to look at you trying to use this as a little false equivalence. I love it, Cofield. I love this version of Jets fan Steve Cofield. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Delicious. I haven't been alive Delicious. for you. I'm feeling alive. I've been, you've been deader than Sean Payton is to me <laughs> for all these years. The, the NFL blood is back and running through my veins. I haven't had Sundays worth a damn in nearly a decade. I'm back. I'm ready to talk trash. And Sean Payton, what do you want? A chin flick? What do you want? One of these across the arm? Okay, brother. Keep talking trash. 